Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. There was a consulate in Benghazi that was attacked. And I'm like, man, I, I just fire off, Glenn, a quick note. I'm like, hey, man, I hope you're safe. Hope you're good. And just something just didn't feel right. And, I, you know, I go about my morning and I go to the gym, I work out and I get a phone call and a phone call I would never answer. It's just from an 858 number, which is a local area code. But I screen a call if I don't see who it is usually. And something in my head said, take that call. So I answer it, and, and it's someone that says, uh, you know, is this Sean Lake? And I said, yes. I said, we need you to return to your home immediately. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. journey. Guys, I'm really stoked for this episode. This is really, really, really good one. This whole thing, I'm bringing on Sean Lake, and we're going to talk about him, his story, being raised with his best friend, Glenn, Glenn going off to the Navy SEALs, and their story, man, and what they're into. Dude, this is a phenomenal story, and, and stay to the end. I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy the hell out of this one. Enjoy. guys this is going to be a cool cool episode i've actually been really looking forward to this episode this interview not that i don't look forward to all the other ones but i don't read a whole lot about some of the people who come to my show but the guy dean who sent me the information the dude sent me like an encyclopedia britannica on this guest coming up so i'm donnie bovey and this is donnie success champions and i'm bringing on today my new friend who sounds as crazy as i am so i bet there's gonna be some smart ass here that happens through this but i'm bringing on sean Sean Lake. Sean, welcome to the show, my friend. Please tell us your story. Donnie, thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess the the 10,000 foot view is I'm a Massachusetts skateboarder, college dropout turned professional snowboarder, turned action sports marketer, turned guy who helps out with a charity, turned entrepreneur here in my 40s while trying to raise two young kids and with a young wife and getting it all done at the same time. You now, know, there's details of, behind that. Right, right. I mean, but all of that just screams, you know, natural-born business person. You know, I mean, that that culmination and, yeah, none of that screams business owner at all. No, no. It screams <laughs> like a guy who ran in the opposite direction of all adult responsibilities. <laughs> no, so, I, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. My best friend was, was a very like-minded individual, this guy, Glenn Doherty. We both kind of had this this route to go to college and do your four years and graduate and then start a real job and get married and have kids and do all that. And we just had this fuck that kind of gene, this voice in our head that just said, no, 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 there's so much adventure out there and so many things to do. So we basically tried to go to college, dropped out immediately and moved to Utah to go become, he was a skier and I had 
fell in love with snowboarding. It was in the early 90s. So it, was a, it was a very young sport at the time. And we said, well, let's go be, become professional skiers and professional snowboarders because that's, that's a good dream at age 18 and 19 So and lucrative. So we said, yeah, let's go out there. Let's go. And I immediately got a job as a dishwasher nice. and got a job as a chairlift <laughs> operator. And we moved into this little apartment complex and we're riding and skiing every day and working the, the night job and meeting new friends and having a blast zero responsibility other than remembering to bring your snowboard to the mountain the next day. <laughs> and, and that was it. We, we actually did that for years. And then in the summer and the off season, the adventure couldn't happen on mountain. So Glenn became a river guide and, you know, we would paint houses and, and he worked as a ranch hand. And there was all these like really eclectic experiences around that go on a surf trip to Costa Rica or just having a big adventure. Everything had to involve doing something kind of to its fullest, I, I guess, for, you know, upon reflection. At the time, we were just doing what felt natural to do. And when you're young and dumb and don't, you know, you know it doesn't hurt as much, right? It does not hurt as much. No, you don't. <laughs> you, know, you bounce right back. Right, right. And so we were having these experiences, and we're turned 24. All of our friends from, from Winchester, Massachusetts, where we grew up, they've all gotten jobs. They've all graduated. And all of a sudden, Glenn and I are kind of like, huh, what's next? And Glenn and I had this big conversation about turning 25. And what does that mean? Now, at the time, I had become endorsed for snowboarding. So I had kind of lived my part of that dream. Like I was getting my free gear and traveling and having these great experiences. And Glenn was in skiing, and skiing was not as lucrative as snowboarding was at that time in the 90s. So he, we kind of had this little sit down, and he said, hey, if I haven't made it as a pro skier by the time I turn 25, I'm going to join the Navy and become a SEAL. Now, this is in the 90s. Yep. The only knowledge of SEALs that was out there was a movie starring Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he said, well, yeah, I remember last summer I went to Costa Rica and I, I, you know, I went on the surf trip and I met these guys on the beach and they were Navy SEALs. And they told me I had what it takes. And it kind of stuck with them. And I looked at him and I was like, wow, well, I'm snowboarding and I'm kind of doing what I wanted to set out to do. So I'm going to go back to college and get my degree. Like, I know that's out there. And we kind of had our plans. Turn 25, I go back to school. And Glenn is either a pro skier or he joins the Navy. Well, we turn 25. I register for classes at the local college. And Glenn and I talk and he's like, I'm going to join the Navy. I didn't make it as a skier. And, and he was really talented, but it just wasn't the right time. So I drove him to the recruiter. He walks in, signs his paper, and that's it. Nine months later, he's, he's done with basic, and he's graduating from BUDS. And so all of us riffraff Utah guys that are all the ski bums, we all cruise down to Coronado and go to Glenn's BUDS graduation. Actually, I'll be honest about this one. I missed his BUDS graduation because we were so hungover from partying <laughs> the night before that I we walked in like literally like I tell after. Yeah, yeah, tell me you guys showed up to that all in my only way I can put it, you know, surf guy out, you know, with your long hair, you know, you're unkempt as hell and you're going to a bud graduation. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So there's Glenn. He's up there with, you know, with, with the graduating class. And this this motley crew pours in the back, and it was like you know a pin drops, and everyone hears it, and we're just these scrubs in the back, and we like the seriousness and the appreciation for what he had gone through, 
was admittedly kind of lost on us because there was no real knowledge of what it takes to go through buds. You know, and still anyone who hasn't done it doesn't know really anything right. about it other than it's a really big deal. Well, it was in that moment that we realized how big of a deal it was. And, and of how course, formal. <laughs> uh, yes. And, of course, you know, Glenn gives us a hard time, and he's ribbing us. And then we go to dinner and meet all of his, his, his future teammates and these guys that he went through with. And there's some really, you know, there's some very unassuming guys, and there's some very impressive, like, you know, ginormous humans. And these are some guys that became friends, you know, for years and years to come. So kind of fast forward. Glenn is now doing deployments. He was part of the USS Cole protection duty uh, pre 9-11, and I'm kind of going through my snowboarding stuff. So I'm winding down. Now I'm 29, turning 30. I'm wrapping up my college degree, and it's it's time to stop snowboarding. Like that that chapter has been great. I've gotten to travel and have all these great adventures, but I had made a plan to join the State Department and pass the civil service exam and go that route because I could travel and see the world. And I had no intentions of being in the action sport snowboard industry. And Glenn's off deployed and doing his thing. Well, I ended up getting recruited by a company called Burton Snowboards. And they're the biggest snowboard brand in the world. And they want me to move to Encinitas, California, to work with this young kid named Sean White. <laughs> and I knew who Sean was from a couple of snowboard movies. But I was on the free ride side of snowboarding. He was a competitive young kid. He was definitely like the next generation. So I stepped out. I take this job, and I'm working with Sean White and a handful of the other snowboarders out on the West Coast. now working with Sean, you're like the old dude. Oh, yeah. I'm 31. I'm washed up. <laughs> he's 15. Right. You know? and, and it's great because, like, he's this prodigy. He's this, this next generation. And, but I know him as this kid that I'm chasing around, you know, the hotels that we're traveling to for the different snowboarding contests to make sure he does his homework, <laughs> you know, and then we got to fly everywhere together to like, Hey, you know, we got to go design your pro model boot. And he's out in park city practicing, you know, over Christmas holiday with his older brother to, you know, to snowboard. And I'm, you know, over in salt Lake with my family celebrating Christmas. And I realized like, Hey, Sean's stuck in a hotel room on Christmas dinner, like on Christmas day by himself. And that's how dedicated he was to snowboarding and his family didn't have a ton of money and he hadn't you know, made it to the success that he had it now. So, you know, I invite him and his brother out of the hotel room to come over and spend Christmas with my family. And it's funny, my mom still comments on that. She's like, that kid who won the Olympics, we cooked him Christmas dinner that year. <laughs> yes, we did, mom. Yep. We, that, that was him, mom. <laughs> yeah. And he's cool. I mean, he, it's great because he's still down here in the neighborhood. Every once in a while, we hang out and we laugh about how I, I would literally have to chase him around to make sure he would do <laughs> homework. And Glenn met Sean a couple of times and, and they go way back. And so like, you know, we're hanging out together. And anyways, I, um, Glenn had met him and he was all, you know, just part of that same crew. And so Glenn would sort of dip in and out between deployments and between these different things that he was doing in this thing called the Navy and being a SEAL. And it's post 9-11 at this time and he is doing combat deployments and he's into some real stuff. But now we're all in San Diego and it's kind of like the gang's all back together. So when he's home... We're doing everything together, thick as thieves, just like the old days. So, you know, I'm working in action sports. That industry is based in San Diego. Glenn is living in Coronado uh, with the teams. And we all just start hanging out again. And then Glenn buys a house in Encinitas. His wife at the time wanted to live up here. So 
now we're like a whole bunch of us are all in the same town that all grew up in Winchester together. And it's this awesome crew that are all like, yeah, the gang's all back together. And like, you know, we got to watch the 2004 Boston Red Sox win the World Series, which for anyone else who doesn't care about the Red Sox, I'm sorry. <laughs> they just won again, so it's awesome. They just but wanted so, to prove they broke that actually broke the curse. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I think yeah they they've done that. Um, <laughs> so so anyways, you know, this best friend and I we get reconnected, and now we're living up in North County, San Diego. And Glenn's out of the Navy, and he takes a job contracting for the U.S. government. So he's now directly contracting for the CIA. So he's working GRS, and it's a natural transition for him when you get out. So you're in the Navy. You're making $60,000 a year as an E6 or you know whatever your rank is. And all of a sudden, you realize you can make six figures doing contract work. You're gone half a year, but you're home half the year. Huh. Well, that's, you know, that's a lot of money. And Glenn had an expression for that that I've, I've said before, and I'll say it again. He looked at that, and he's like, man, that's a sore dick. You just can't beat it. <laughs> I love it. I'm borrowing that. So so he's contracting, and it's, it's a little bit like career limbo, right? You're making, you know, a hefty six-figure salary, but you're not really advancing where you're going next in life. And I'm working now, I'm working for Quicksilver, I'm working with their DC Shoes division, doing snowboard stuff and surfing and, and all my marketing stuff. And I can kind of see like, hey, I'm, I'm getting these little incremental increases in responsibility and, and just, you know, you, you kind of see this career path that you're on, whether you stay on it or not. And Glenn was in this limbo. He's doing the same job. Yeah, it's better pay, but he's not really advancing himself. And this is a guy that stood for constant self-improvement. Physically, you know, he was early on to CrossFit, you know, that fitness regimen in like 06. He got me on that program really early on thereafter. And he's always was exploring, like reading books and, and constantly self-improving. So when he wasn't deployed as a contractor, he was like, what am I going to do next? I'm going to apply to be a firefighter. I'm going to write this book called 21st Century Sniper. I'm going to do anything I can to figure it out. But he never really figured it out. And he was figuring out, like, hey, I could be a firefighter. I could be an airline pilot, physician's assistant. Like, there's all these opportunities, but he never found the right one. And he was looking. And then, you know, you fast forward a couple more years. Glenn gets a divorce. And then I get a divorce soon after that. And next thing you know, we're two 40-year-old guys that are roommates in Encinitas that are both coaching CrossFit and at this gym in Encinitas called Seal Fit. It's owned by a former Navy SEAL, this guy Mark Devine, who is he's a bit of a SEAL celebrity, mm-hmm. and he's one of our buddies. We all live in the same town, and we're coaching at his gym, and we're a part of this great community, but it's kind of limbo for Glenn. And, you know, he's looking for what's next. Well, fast forward to 2012, and he gets stationed in Tripoli. And it's fall of 2012, so he goes over to Libya. And, you know, everyone knows what happened after that. Or if you don't remember, that's when the attacks in Benghazi happened. So all of a sudden it's 9-11, 9-12, and, you know, I, I get this little blip on the news going to bed on 9-11 saying that some sort of skirmish is happening over there. And I'm like, Benghazi, Libya. Well, Glenn's in Tripoli. That's way far away from there. So, you know, no big deal. And I wake up the next morning. And 
it's on the news again. It's something about a movie, and there's some confusion around it, but there was a consulate in Benghazi that was attacked. And I'm like, man, I, I just fire off Glenn a quick note. I'm like, hey, man, I hope you're safe. Hope you're good. And just something just didn't feel right. And, I, you know, I go about my morning, and I go to the gym, and I work out, and I get a phone call. And a phone call I would never answer. It's just from an 858 number, which is a local area code. But I screen a call if I don't see who it is usually. And something in my head said, take that call. So I answer it, and, and it's someone that says, uh, you know, is this Sean Lake? And I said, yes. I said, we need you to return to your home immediately. And I said, what's going on? I said, well, we're coworkers of Glenn's. We need you to get to the house. And I just was like, oh, shit. And, and so, you know, I, I drive to the house. And, and Donnie, no kidding, it's right out of a movie. There's two big black SUVs parked right in front of my house with you know, a couple folks in black suits. And, you know, we walk into my house, we walk into the backyard, we sit down, and they tell me that Glenn's died. And they tell me that they can't tell me a lot. They don't know what's going on, but I'm listed as Glenn's next of kin. And I'm the executor of his estate. So, you know, Glenn and I had left all of our worldly responsibilities to each other as two best friends do like, you know, there's no wives, there's no overhead. And we, we wanted each other to manage each other's debt as the joke would go. But here I am in this moment and I'm like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is real. And you, you know, we're in this, this immediate grief cycle is met with, I got to tell everyone and I have to act on this and I have to, you know, I have to jump into action. Now, now Glenn, so you understand Glenn is a former Navy SEAL. Glenn was a ski bum. Glenn was a ranch hand. Glenn was all these different things to different people. The one thing that he was to all of them was a best friend. Mm. He was this guy who always stood for self-improvement, like I mentioned, but he was also a guy who was really about helping others. And that was just in his DNA. Like he was always helping others. So you've got this combination of this person who's kind of a little bit larger than life. Like he's everyone's best friend. And quite frankly, being as close to him as I was, it was a little, little obnoxious, a little hard to deal with because he's so damn good at this. He was like, we used to call him the Facebook before Facebook. <laughs> but he would handwrite letters. Like, Donnie, if he met you and you guys hit it off, you'd get a letter from him, a postcard, you know, when he's over in Yemen or something and be like, hey, man, hope you're good. Just thinking about you. I mean, who writes postcards? Right. <laughs> and, and he was that guy. So now suddenly he's not here. And you know, it's, it's time to kick things into gear from the job and responsibility that I took as his executor. And, you know, we're going through the funeral. It's, it's all in a national spotlight. It's in the news every day. There's a presidential election going on. Hillary Clinton's getting hammered, rightfully so. And, you know, we're talking about what do we do with Glenn's legacy? And Glenn's sister, Katie was like, we got to do something here. Like he was such a larger than life person for all of us. What do we do? And so we decided to launch a foundation in Glenn's memory. And, and the foundation's sole purpose is to help guys, special operators, transition out of the military primarily through scholarship. So fill the gaps in the GI Bill, find ways for these guys not to get into contracting work. And the thing about contracting work is it's really dangerous, and you're a 1099 at-will employee, and there's no benefits. So... It's not like you're working towards your military retirement. You're a hired gun there. And, you know, let's help guys, like, plan for the future. So I go from action sports marketing and, and kind of, you know, just run around person to now I'm helping out with this charity. Well, fast forward a couple of years, 
and Benghazi's still in the news. And and part of this, you know, being in charge of Glenn's legacy, the foundation is one part of it. Uh, another part of it is the whole life insurance component. And I end up going to Congress a couple of times to work with, you know, the Benghazi congressional hearings. So I'm meeting with Trey Gowdy and Elijah Cummings, and these are like big name congressmen. And I'm just Glenn's best friend, but I'm the chosen representative to talk about Glenn in this situation. And one of the things we talk about is how Glenn's employers denied Glenn's life insurance benefit. And I'm like, wait a minute, man, like Glenn died serving his country, literally saving American lives. And you're going to deny him this like very small life insurance policy that you made him get. It's not much, but it was a gesture. And this was money that's meant to go to his family and is meant to go and help them out. And if nothing else, a symbolic gesture of appreciation for his service. So that's my next fight is his sister and I are, are battling that out with the CIA. And, and, and they're nice about it, but there's a lot of red tape and just government, you know, crap. procedures and policies and crap that we have to navigate. So it takes a couple of years. And out of the blue, not out of the blue, after several meetings with, you know, Director John Brennan and some of the legal staff in the CIA, we get this notification through the attorneys that were helping us, this law firm, K&L Gates, that were, they've been phenomenal in, in representing the family, that the CIA has decided to retroactively go back in time to 1982 from the attacks in Beirut all the way through then, which was 2014, and find every single family that they didn't pay the death benefit for when they were killed serving their country as a contractor and pay them. We're talking about 50-plus families. So all of a sudden we realize that by being the squeaky wheel and talking about something that wasn't right because of this language in this archaic piece of legislation called the Defense Base Act that denied Glenn his life insurance policy, it turns out there were others, and we were able to help all those families out. So there's a little bit of a silver lining there where you take this tragic event and you turn it into something positive. And, and we were able to do that twice. And that was with the foundation and getting this started. And then, you know, with helping out those other families. Well, kind of fast forward to last year, 2017, and now I'm married and I've got a young son and a daughter is, you know, getting ready to, to be on the way. And the foundation is kind of capped out. Like we've kind of hit our ceiling on annual fundraising and how many people we can help. Well, all of a sudden we've got more applications coming in than money. So we have this gap and that gap is really tough to fill because we don't have it. Like we don't have, we don't have the money to help them. We have to say no for the first time. And that just didn't sit right with me. So the takeaway was like, how do you institutionalize giving? How do you change that so you can help more people out? And I didn't have the answer. It was just in my head, like, we got to find a way to stimulate better fundraising for the Glenn Doherty Foundation. I go home from a trip, and I come home, and my wife has a tub of collagen protein on the counter. And she says, I want you to start taking this. And now my wife is several years younger than I am. And <laughs> I, I'm opening myself up for the pot yeah, shop. It's coming. So, so she's 14 years younger than I am. Damn, brother. Well, you know, hey, uh, you so know, she just wanted you to be able to keep up. I get it. That's it. <laughs> Literally, the line she gave me, Donnie, was, "You're not getting any younger. Take this." <laughs> Thanks, hon. Yeah, My no wife problem. is seven years younger than me. I get it. I get oh it. yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
when you want to watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High and she wants to watch Clueless, right? <laughs> the difference there. <laughs> so, so she buys me this tub of collagen and she's like, it's great for your knees, for your joints. You know, you're not getting any younger. I want you to start taking this. And admittedly, you know, I'm 45 years old. My knees hurt like hell. I'm still crossfitting. I'm still running and snowboarding, but the recovery is real and I'm not bouncing back like I was when I was 35. So I'm willing to take it and I start taking it and it's a scoop a day. I put it right in my coffee. It's an unflavored powder. And I'm like, here I go. Here I go. About three weeks in, I'm like, my nails are growing like I'm Wolverine. This is crazy. (laughs) And I'm like, I've taken all these supplements over the years. Nothing has ever worked like this. Like this is crazy. A couple of weeks later go by and we're going to a wedding. I need a haircut. And like, I just got a haircut. I need another one. Like I get like three haircuts a year. So second data point. And I'm reading the side of the jar of like, all right, what does this collagen stuff do? And it says hair, skin, nails. Okay. And joint health, muscle recovery. And then it says, you know, gut health. So I'm like, okay. So two months into it, you know, I still doing it scoop a day every day. I don't miss a day. It's like a multivitamin for my body is how I'm treating it. And my joints stopped hurting. And it was literally like I flew cross country. I get off the airplane and I'd done a bunch of physical activity and running and stuff. And I expected to be crippled getting off the plane. Cause anytime I fly more than a couple hours, my knees kind of lock up and I get off the plane I grab our bags and I have one of those, Oh shit moments where I'm like, nothing hurts. <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing hurts. Like some, something's wrong here. And it was it. I felt great. So I get past that and I'm like, I'm going to take collagen the rest of my life. So I do a little bit of research and reading on it. And it turns out collagen is the most abundant protein in your body. And after about age 25, you stop producing it. So from 25, 26, your collagen's going down, down, down. Well, your body's burning collagen and, and using it as a protein, but you're not replenishing it. So you're kind of in the deficit. And that's where the aches and pains come from, the longer recovery times, the wrinkles, the hair, skin, nails, all that stuff that gets worse and worse into your 30s and 40s and 50s and beyond is because your body naturally stops producing it. So all I'm doing is supplementing it. So collagen, it turns out, all it is, is ground-up cowhide. It's the connective tissue of the cow. You know, so, you had me interested until you just told me you're swallowing ground-up cowhide. Yeah. So now, just so you know, I own a farm. <laughs> oh, all right. And so you got some cows. No, I don't have cows. I got goats, chickens, ducks. I got everything else. But my, my neighbor's got a, a good couple head of, you know, of cattle. But I almost got this vision of you running out in the field and just like gnawing on the side of a damn cow. <laughs> Grabbing this thing. No, no, it's, it's a very elegant powder. It's a white powder that you just sprinkle into things. So you put your pinky in the air when you, you know you dip. Oh it. yeah. Okay. Well, that's you know that's the Southern California thing, right? <laughs> We're all chasing the fountain of youth out here, right? That's it. <laughs> ageless, ageless. So let's do this. Let's backtrack through a little bit through your story, and then I want to jump into the, into the, the collagen thing if that's cool. Yeah, yeah, sure. So 
literally you and your best friend grow up together. I mean, like a lot of us do. And we all have kind of that buddy we go through the journey was. And it's interesting is, you know, one of my best friends in the world, him and I, I went to military route and he went and ran his dad's company. It was, you know, a very interesting thing. But similar to, to what you guys experienced with Glenn, every time that I came home, you know, from travels or whatever else, I always felt like I never left, you know, because yeah. you just kind of fell right back into that, to that mold and that groove. And that was always a really, really cool experience. So I want you to know just from a, a guy that, that saw kind of Glenn's side of it, well done, because cause that was always a cool thing to come home to. You know, it, it, in, in, in my perspective, that was always home base, right? Yep. So, so that's a very, very cool thing. Second, where do you think that tenacity and, and grit came from to – Go and take on the government, if you will. Go and fight this battle and, you know, represent, you know, 50 some odd families that got screwed during this time. Was this kind of a, we're doing this for Glenn, or was this like, fuck you, we're not going to let this happen in general? Hey guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. Yeah, man, I, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I like a good challenge and I'd be lying if I said I didn't like a good, you know, an opportunity for some kind of growth or, or just learning, you know, not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, discovering CrossFit and getting into the fitness side of things. Like there's a lot of people that are in their late thirties and they want to get back into fitness Well, they're not going to find the most challenging thing they can do to do it. They're going to find a way to ease into it. And I was like, what's that? That looks incredibly hard and difficult. Let's go. <laughs> Snowboarding for me was about that adrenaline and that challenge. It was about, Hey, let's go hike to the top of that mountain and ride down it. And you might die. Like that's, that's there, but you're not thinking that way. You're thinking this is a crazy adventure and I'm going to push myself to my limits. Glenn had his version of that. And that's why we always connected. We just had this similar life view about if you're going to do it, do it. 
He definitely had it. I mean, he was a Navy SEAL for Christ's sakes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like adrenaline sports, this, that. It's funny because, right. you know, like how people look at that. Like a bunch of Navy SEALs love all the professional surfers and snowboarders and like that crew. They're like, you guys are crazy. And we're on the other side being like, no, 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 no. You're a Navy SEAL. Right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping off a mountain for a living. Like, that's cool. But what you do is like next level. And they're like, no way, man. Like you're surfing these waves and you're, you know, riding down mountains. So it was and a, the next thing you guys know, you're sitting at the bar drinking beers, crying on each other's shoulders and <laughs> See? just like that. And, but there was this great mutual, you know, appreciation or whatever, just a great friendships that were born from that. But in that, you know, there was this do right by Glenn. And that was absolutely huge for us for Glenn's sister, for myself, you know, it was the idea of fairness. What This wasn't right. It just wasn't right. And it was worth fighting for. I can't say that I've always been the person to say, I'm going to jump up and fight for the little guy or fight for a righteous cause. But damn, if I wasn't motivated here. And I had met a group of people over the course of my life. And the ones that I've really kind of glommed on to, I, I have felt were inspirational or exceptional folks. And you kind of want to stand up to what they stand for. And so, you know, if you're going to do something athletically, you want to do it well. You don't want to just kind of half-ass it. There's, you know, you don't need to roll through life. There's there's hunters in the world and there's farmers in the world. And there's a lot more farmers than there are hunters. And I like hunters. Or, or you know, we just – there's a similar mindset or, or life view. Call it what you will. So if you're going to do it, do it. Or do it well. Or, you know, there's a bunch of cliche expressions for that. But – I didn't really think about it that way. The way you're, you asked the question, it was more like, no, man, this is just, you just got to do this. Right. So, you know, I was tasked with this job from Glenn. And it was a very real responsibility that we didn't take seriously when we wrote up our wills. To each other. It was, you know, we're two guys are going to live forever. This is just fun stuff. But, you know, when the insurance policy was denied and that opportunity came up, it was like, are you kidding me? And, and admittedly, I probably wouldn't have gotten as far as we did without the help of those attorneys because they knew how to navigate that stuff. Right, right. But, you know, flying cross country, getting back to D.C., talking with the representatives, talking with everyone about it was, you know, that was super important to to do. And I wasn't going to miss those opportunities. I mean, I literally, I remember flying to Congress before my bachelor party, getting married to my wife, who's a lot younger than I am, <laughs> and, and flying back from D.C. to go straight down to Cabo to go surfing for a couple of days. Surfing, right, because that, that's yeah. all you did for your bachelor party was that's surfing. You do. You go surfing. <laughs> you go surfing. Got it. You know, here, here's the cool thing is, unfortunately, society has been created to where, you know, if somebody doesn't pick to fight, it just gets swept under the rug. Hence, why they had to go back so many freaking years to the 80s or whatever to back pay all of those families because somebody along the line knew that nobody was going to stand up for it. Until somebody did. So, so yeah. flipping kudos, man. You know, you're your own little Aaron Brockovich. You know, she's <laughs> a lot better looking. <laughs> hey, I still got to shave this thing. Like, don't say Aaron Brockovich to your wife because she's going to have no idea who the hell that is. So, no, exactly. <laughs> See, cultural gaps there. Well done. I like how you slid that in on yeah, me. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, now because your wife, you know, had sports performance issues with you she flips you some collagen and uh says you know take this and now you're growing werewolf fingernails and hair in strange places 
and your <laughs> your joints don't hurt anymore, and you're eating cowhide. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so to to be clear, you know when people take whey protein, right? That's like everyone knows what what protein is. Oh, protein powder. Well, what you don't know is it, it's this basically skimmed fat off the top of the discharge of the cow producing milk. Hmm. I didn't know that. It's it's not pretty. And it stinks when you leave it in the little protein shaker for, you know, half a day. Well, if you really want to see, if we're going to get into all the animal things, if you ever want to see the most disgusting place on the face of the earth, go one time to a rendering plant. And a rendering plant is where they render all the stuff out of animals to make all the lipsticks and the perfumes and everything. And it's vats of stuff. It is disgusting. So yeah. Eating cowhide to me is actually a little bit more sexier than putting lipstick on. Just say, if you've ever yeah. seen a rendering plant. Yeah, everyone who's seen the movie Fight Club and gets curious about where the bar of soap comes from. Right. <laughs> so it is. It's, so it's all it is is connective tissue. So the skin of the cow, the hide of the cow is its connective tissue. So what happens is you take all the cowhide, which is traditionally thrown away. It's not used in, in the process. So you're upcycling this, this throwaway that used to just go get chucked aside, and you give it this big lime bath, put it in this big slurry, and that boosts up the amino acid profiles that are already in, in that cowhide. And those amino acids, the glycine, the leucine, these are things that have very real health benefits. And you put it in this slime bath, and then you dry it out, and you grind it into powder, and you basically throw it into a jar. And so unlike a whey protein that has this dairy component to it, this is just... All right, just for the record, so my rednecks listening to the show, because I know there's some of you, do not go out and skin a cow and dump it in a lime bath and freaking try and dry the thing out to grind it. All right, let somebody else handle that. Yeah, leave that to the professionals. <laughs> Talk about a stinky process. I, right. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a really neat, simple process for what it does. Like the end product, wow, bovine hide. That's it. That's all that's in the jar. Like you look at the ingredients and it's this one thing. And I'm having this like crazy 45 year old euphoric, you know, like life experience where I'm like, I feel great. I'm bouncing back. I'm, I'm back to lifting again. I'm running faster. My recovery's there. And I'm just like, I'm on this stuff for life. So you've got this problem over here, which is we ran out of money on the foundation and I didn't realize that collagen was going to be the solution. So what happens is uh, my business partner, this guy, TJ, who I, I mostly lift with and exercise with, he's an e-commerce guy and he comes over to the house and he sees the tub of collagen and he says, oh, you know, you take that stuff. And I start raving just like I did with you about how great it is and how great my joints feel. And he's like, huh, well, it's a fast growing category. I actually track a couple of the brands on Amazon. We should start a company. And we're sipping coffee, and I'm like, ha, 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 sure. And we're sitting there. we got nothing else to do. So we're like, well, what does it look like? And we look at each other, and we both say at the exact same time, well, we got to do something cool for charity. That's our, the first opening thought of starting a business. And then we, I just start laughing. I'm like, you get, okay, well, I know the foundation. It's got to be Glenn's foundation. And we set out right from there saying, like, well, what does do something cool mean? So we looked at jumped online and we're like, well, what does Patagonia do? What does Tom's Shoes do? What do these like really well-known charitable-minded brands do? And it turns out they all do like 1% to 3% of net profits. And that's considered really, really good. And so we kind of looked at each other and we said, well, fuck that. 
let's do 10, let's do 10%. And then we couldn't stop there. We're like, no, no, let's do 10% of every sale, top line revenue. And it felt really big and audacious and it felt really kind of like a crazy thing. We looked online and no company does it, like nobody. Well, there's a reason for that, (laughs) but we didn't care. And so we started this little social experiment and we named the company Bubs because Glenn's call sign in the Navy was Bub and it just was a natural fit. So we called the company Bubs Naturals. And the idea is that 10% of every sale will go to the foundation and we're going to fill that gap so we can help more people get out of the special operations community and transition to civilian life. Now I've got a job. TJ's got a job. This is our little experiment. And by the spring of this year, you know, we're a couple months into it. We had sold out of the product twice. We're just on Amazon and we realized we got something here, man. Like people seem to care. Like we weren't sure if anyone was going to care what 10% to charity means. We were like, are they going to care? Does it matter? Well, let's find out. And by the spring, I was like, I'm going to quit everything that I'm doing. I'm going all in on this. Like we, we have the data now, like we're just far enough in that we're going to really, really leverage ourselves and, you know, take out that second mortgage and bootstrap this thing and let's get into it. So fast forward to where we are now, you know, we've got two main products. We've got MCT oil powder. So anyone who's familiar with the whole bulletproof coffee phase, we didn't like the messiness of the oil. So we found a way to take coconut oil and spray it into a powder, tapioca starch of all things. And you get this great creamy cup of coffee. It's great for energy and brain food and all this stuff. And you've got collagen, which is great for all the stuff we've already talked about, your joints and your hair, skin, nails, and your muscle recovery and your gut health. So like, great. We've got all these products that we could will have that stand for self-improvement. That's what Glenn stood for. He was always improving himself, reading books. And as a byproduct, everything that we do will help others. Glenn was always there helping everybody out. So we do it through donating to charity. That's our burden, not someone else's. We don't like pump the prices up so that you're paying for it. That's our commitment that we take out of the, you know, out of our cost of goods. So we're like, all right, here we are. You know, you got this do good and you got feeling good and they go hand in hand. And, you know, we call it, you know, like peas and carrots. They go great together. <laughs> so you've got a literally a buddy comes over to the house y'all geek out over the same damn thing and because you've got this natural chaos i can't do anything small type mentality <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that yeah you're, you're welcome you you decide that you're going to do something that no business i i challenge whether no business has ever done before i i what i'll say is no business has survived doing it before yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Right. 10% going to charity from a, a product. I mean, great cause, great product, you know, all of that. You've got to be half either insane, crazy, or just a downright badass to even step into that and say, you know, hold my beer and watch this. Uh, I'm going to let my wife weigh in on that one. She, 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 <laughs> it would be a sprinkle of, of probably all that. You know, it, it just – you get these moments where it just something feels right. And, you know, launching bubs felt right. Like TJ and I had talked about work stuff and we were friends and we knew that we clicked, like there was a good work relationship and friendship that, that was there. And, and that part was sound. 
So that's one really important component in, in making a decision like this. The second was, you know, feeling really, really good about what you do for work. And I know that I've been in jobs where I haven't felt great about what I do. Like there's a passion that can pour from that, that you're going to, like you can 10x your performance if you believe in what you're doing. And if you don't, eh, it, you know, you, you, you slog through it, but it's just a job. But when you find a way to combine something that you're passionate about into your profession, you're going to, you're going to do great things or you're at least going to love what you do, whatever it is. And loving what you do is going to help you in so many different areas of your life. I believe in that wholeheartedly. So this was one, like I never wanted to be in supplements. I, I mean, I work in surfing and skateboarding and, you know, event marketing. So going into learning Don't about forget old guy, Sean white babysitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's an eclectic background that has nothing to do with producing collagen for, for, for a living, but it just felt right. And I called the family and, and I called Glenn's old teammates and guys that he had, he'd worked with. And every one of them said the same thing. They were like, Glenn would kick your ass if you don't do this. <laughs> so I had this great validation and I'm like, let's, let's fucking do it. And, and yeah, it just felt right. And if it feels right, you're going to find the energy to solve those problems. And, and I'm, I'm, I am that way, I guess. Like I, if something comes up, that's a problem, you need a solution. Glenn got fucked on his life insurance. Let's fight for it. You know, there's a mountain you're not supposed to climb. Let's go climb it. And it just, you know, it feels right. And it's nothing crazy to me, like uh, the life risk factor, the way I look at it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was just the right thing to do. And we didn't know, like we had no idea if anyone would care, but we're about to write the last check of the year to the foundation. And we will have given just over $47,000 to Glenn's foundation in one year. And I look at that and I'm like, man, like I have so much more than I thought we were going to do, but that's it. Like, you know, it's, it was that opportunity and, and knowing that, you know, everything we do has got to pass this Glenn litmus test, this bub test of quality and just deliver on its promise. Just well, like, he, you know, what I love about that, just that last statement is, you know, you've got all his buddies that he served with that are all, you know, Navy SEAL guys. And every one of those has got one hand or one eyeball watching this whole thing. And if you fuck up, right, <laughs> they're on your ass, dude. You know, and, and so, so you got that behind you because, you know, working with military guys and you work with the buddies, I mean, there is a certain level of camaraderie and standard, and you can't attach the Navy SEAL thing to anything without that knowing that you're, you're carrying one hell of a burden, knowing that not only you're representing Glenn, but you're also representing what he looked for. So, so, Way to really take on a big ass challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to think of that side because I get real nervous thinking about guys like Mikey Ritland or Shane Hyatt showing up at my door, being like, "Hey man, <laughs> look at that last batch showed up at the house and it oh, wasn't I, that good." And and don't worry, I've got a couple of other Navy SEALs that have been on the show that listen to a lot of episodes, so you're about to get a couple more guys live with eyeballs on this. So <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I I love I welcome that challenge because like I know this is going to work like I from a personal experience in the the science or whatever but like sending it out to the guys like Mike Ritland who cares about diet or Shane and having them be like yeah yeah send me more like I love this stuff and that kind of like hey it works and and 
you know, that, that validation is that's motivation too. I mean, yeah, don't, don't screw it up, but also capitalize on the opportunity to help more guys out and, and drive it forward and, you know, just make something, make something great happen out of something horrible. I'd trade everything to have Glenn, you know, around and doing exactly what we were doing six years ago. Well, you can't change that, but you can definitely change how, how you treat the world moving forward. Yeah. And, and I guess that was kind of it. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm insane for trying to start a business with, you know, I've got a nine month old daughter, a two and a half year old son. You know, this is not normally when people take massive risks and. Oh, I'm going to argue that. I'm going to argue that because every entrepreneur I met has been in the midst of chaos when they launched their company. So, so welcome to the party. <laughs> Amen. Oh, it is a party. All right. <laughs> Guaranteed. And I didn't know this until I started my own business. You got to be that shit crazy to want to really run your own company and take that much responsibility on your shoulders, especially when you start having people working for you and everything else, because the yeah. responsibility just goes through the freaking roof. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely. I mean, that is that responsibility and that, yeah, everything you just said, truth. <laughs> um, and I'd be lying if I didn't say, yes, it's probably, probably a little bit more than I, I could have, should have. But again, man, when it feels right, you find that 10 X or that multiple to just get, get your shit done. And, you know, it has felt so right. And it's not the kind of right that, you know, like, hey, it's a great idea. And then the next day, you're like, nah, I'm not into it. Every day, it's getting like getting more and more energized and charged up. I mean, we, we felt so proud about the product and, and that side to it that we're like, hey, let's, let's go get NSF certified. Like, let's go for this big deal, right? And it's a really big deal in the supplement space if you get this certification. And we're like, yeah, like we could sell to grocery stores and we'll have this validation, this stamp on our jar that says, hey, we're, we're this quality. Well, we didn't realize like you can also sell to professional sports teams when you have that highest level of NSF for sport certification. And so now we're the collagen provider for the Texas Rangers, for the New York Mets. I just got done emailing with the guy from the Cincinnati Reds. And it's, this is wild to me that, these opportunities are there and that there's that appetite, not just for the product for these professional athletes, which is great, but that charitable part to it. They want to be a part of that, that giving cycle. And that's that proof is in the pudding stuff that we need and we feed off of here to, to drive it forward and, and keep us fired up. Yeah, that's awesome, so. brother. Well, we're getting close to that hour, man. But I got to tell you, one, I think you and I are going to get a beer some point soon because cool shit that you're into, brother. And I just love your vibe, man. So so keep rocking and rolling with that. How do people find find you guys? So it's called Bubs. Where do they find you with all this stuff? So, I mean, best partnership we've had right out of the gate, Amazon. So if you type in Bubs Naturals, B-U-B-S uh, Naturals, we should pop up there. We've got the little Amazon Choice Badge. Those guys have been great. We have our website, BubsNaturals.com, and then all of our social handles where we're trying to you know, tell our story and just share what we're doing out there. Everything is at Bubs Naturals. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, guys, check them out, and we'll put all that in the show links and, and everything. So, you know, if you want to make fun of him like I do, you know, we'll give you plenty of ammunition to be able to find him through social media and everything else. Oh, yeah, lob it out there. I got to throw the chin <laughs> out there for sure. 
Well, brother, we're going to wrap it up with this, and here's how I close out every show. And I do stump some people, so so stand by on this. All right. If you were going to leave the champions that listen to this show with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up and they're going through the tough times, what would be that quote or phrase that you would say, remember this? There is a speech. It's not a quote. It's just a short one that Teddy Roosevelt gave as a speech back in the early 1900s. Now, Glenn carried this around with him in his wallet. And this was like through, you know, when he died in Benghazi and all of his effects and stuff came back. And this thing he carried in his wallet and he would read it every once in a while. And it was something his dad had given to him. And he shared it with me early on. And, and both of our dads were these kind of salty, tough guys. And, and it just, it really resonated. And, and I don't read it. I can't give it verbatim, so I'll butcher it. So I'm going to just read it proper cool. here. Do it. it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually does strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That's awesome, dude. Well said, well said. No, I did not see that coming, but it's like always right there. And I'm like, memorize that because I could not say that, but (laughs) that's it, man. It's like, go do it and and get into it. So, well, brother, I got to tell you, it's been an honor having you on the show and, and sharing your story with us, dude. Keep rocking and rolling, and don't worry. Some of us will be watching the journey because I'm guaranteed it's going to be a fun ride for you, man, so keep it up. I appreciate that, Donnie. Thanks for having me on here. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, 
go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success because that's what it means to be a success champion.